1: All right, that was the only joke I could really think of. We're doing a episode on fake gold today. AU obviously being the scientific notation on the periodic elements for gold, that is. So we're going to jump into this episode. There's a lot of facets of why gold uh, is important to us throughout history, uh, what gives it its worth, and then uh, anything that is worth has worth uh, obviously is faked in um, and has always been. There's also naturally occurring fool's gold, which you've you've heard of before. So we're going to get into that as well. And then finishing it off, we're going to determine how to spot fake gold and how to avoid it yourself. So. First off, let's just jump into the history here. A child finds a shiny rock in a creek thousands of years ago, and the human race is introduced to gold for the first time. Gold was first discovered as shining yellow nuggets. Uh, Air quotes here. Gold is where you find it, so the saying goes. And gold was first discovered in its natural state in streams all over the world, no doubt It was the first metal known to early humans. Gold became a part of every human culture, okay? It was all over the world. People were finding it Uh, way, 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 you know, far back. They don't actually have a date, but you can imagine because throughout history, there was always gold in stories. It was pretty dang early, okay? It's brilliance, natural beauty, and luster, and it's great malleability, Uh, basically just meaning it's very moldable. Uh, To some crazy extents which we'll talk about later and resistance to tarnish made it enjoyable to work and play with Okay, so a lot of people threw it in art You've seen those before so where does gold come from, we ask ourselves, because gold is dispersed widely throughout the geological world. It's not unique to any region. Its discovery occurred to many different groups in many different locales, and nearly everyone who found it was impressed with it. How can you not? It's shiny. It's beautiful. And so is the developing culture it in which they lived. Okay, so gold was the first metal widely known to our species. When thinking about the historical progress of technology, we consider the development of iron and copper working as the greatest contributions to our species' economic and cultural progress. But gold came first. Gold is the easiest of the metals to work with. That's that malleability we talked about. It occurs in a virtually pure and workable state, whereas most other metals tend to be found in ore bodies and posed some difficulty in smelting it. So gold's early uses were no doubt ornamental, and its brilliance and permanence, uh, which it, it neither corrode, corrodes nor tarnishes, linked it to deities and royalty in early civilizations, because you didn't need advanced workings to do this, Okay. We brought about the Bronze Age because we were able to smelt and the Iron Age because we were also able to work with uh, the alloys of it and able to melt at higher points. Gold, however, you don't need that. You can actually, you know, on the, the hierarchy of hardness there. It actually uh, is very low on it, so you can work it with, you know, bare minimum, okay? Gold has always been powerful stuff. The earliest uh, history of human interaction with gold is pretty much long lost to us, but its association with the gods, with immortality, and with wealth itself are common to many cultures throughout the world. Early civilizations equated gold with gods and rulers, and gold was sought in their name and dedicated to their glorification humans almost intuitively place a high value on gold equating it with power beauty and the cultural elite and since gold is widely distributed to all over the world we find this same thinking about gold throughout ancient and modern civilizations everywhere so gold beauty and power have always gone together gold in ancient times was made into shrines and idols, uh, the golden calf, which you may know, plates, cups, vases, and vessels of all kinds, which you see in a lot of museums today, and of course, jewelry for personal adornment. So kind of looking at one of those uh, cultures we talked about, so the gold of Troy treasure hoed, hoard, <laughs> hoy Troy, uh, gold, gold of Troy treasure hoard, excavated in Turkey and dating to the era of like 2450 to 2600 B.C., Show the range of gold work from delicate jewelry to a gold gravy boat weighing a full Troy pound. This was a time when gold was highly valued, but had not yet become money itself. That's an important dis- distinction because uh, we talk about gold in two different facets. We talk about the actual mineral, and then we or the actual metal, and then we talk about the money gold later on. So rather. It was owned by the powerful and well-connected or made into objects of worship or used to decorate sacred locations. Gold Gold has always had value to humans, even before it was money. This is demonstrated by the extraordinary attempts made to obtain it. Prospecting for gold was a worldwide effort going back thousands of years, even before the first money in the form of gold appeared around 700 BC in the quest for gold by the Phoenicians, Egyptians, Indians, Hittites, Chinese, and others, prisoners of war were sent to work the mines as were slaves and criminals. And this happened during a time when gold had no value as money. Okay. This was strictly for ornamental purposes, you know, things of that nature. So it wasn't even money at that time. It wasn't connected to it, but was just considered a desirable commodity in and of itself. The value of gold was accepted all over the world, however. Today, as in ancient times, the intrinsic appeal of gold itself has the universal appeal to humans. But how did gold come to be the commodity, a measurable unit of value? Gold measured out became money. Gold's beauty, scarcity, unique density, no other metal outside of the platinum group, is as heavy as it per, you know, when you look at it, when you pick it up, it's much heavier than you anticipate because of its density okay um it also uh, the ease in which it can be melted formed and measured made it a natural trading medium because everywhere uh they could adjust uh, you, you know they could slice off a, a bit of that gold and make it into coins kind of wherever you're at so um Gold gave rise to the concept of money itself. You know, money itself needed to be invented. The idea behind money. It's portable, private, and permanent. Gold and silver, eventually, and standardized coins came to replace barter arrangements. You know, chicken for meat, uh, eggs for, I think, human beings, things like that back in the day. Just a pretty awful way of, you know, doing things. So, when we had gold and silver introduced into it, there was an actual... uh, Tethering point, everybody agreed upon that gold and silver and standardized coins, they replaced barter arrangements, okay? And it made trade in the classic period much easier. So gold was money in ancient Greece. The Greeks mined for gold throughout the Mediterranean and Middle East regions in 550 BC, and both Plato and Aristotle wrote about gold and had theories about its origins. Gold was associated with water, logical since most of it was found in streams, and it was supposed... that gold was a particularly dense combination of water and sunlight. The Incas referred to gold as the tears of the sun, which we know that's not true, but however, that's a really nice sediment, you know. Tears of the sun. Early miners would use heavy power to propel gold-bearing sand over the hide of a sheep, which would trap the tiny but heavy flakes of gold. When the fleece had absorbed all it could hold, this golden fleece was hung up to dry, and when dry, would be beaten gently so that the gold would fall off of it and be recovered. This primitive form of hydraulic mining began thousands of years ago and was still being used by some miners as recently as the California gold rush of 1849. Okay, a monetary standard made the world economy possible. The concept of money gold and silver and standard weight and fineness coins allowed the world economies to expand and prosper. During the classic period of Greek and Roman rule in the Western world, gold and silver both flowed to India for spice and to China for silk. At the height of the empire, Roman gold and silver coins reigned from Britain to North Africa in gold. Money had been invented. Its name was gold. Okay, we're gonna break here a little bit Um, Just for a a small break, and then we're going to get back into Pyrite.
0: Hey, you already sick of listening to this guy? What a wise guy, all right? Thinks he knows it all? Anyway, I got some information for you. Why don't you sit down, okay? has many uses aside from its monetary and symbolic value among other applications it is used in electronics electrical wiring dentistry medicine radiation shielding and in coloring glass okay although gold is heavy dense metal it is generally considered non-toxic gold metal flakes may be eaten in food or drinks although it's a common allergen for some i'm looking at you goldschlager Malleability is a measure of how easily a material can be hammered into thin sheets. Gold is the most malleable element. A single ounce of gold can be beaten into a 300 square foot sheet. A sheet of gold can be made thin enough to be transparent. Very thin sheets of gold may appear greenish blue because gold strongly reflects red and yellow. How's about those facts, guys? Now you get to go listen to him again. And
1: we're back. I know you guys have heard of fool's gold, okay? Pyrite is sometimes called fool's gold because of its similarity in color and shape to gold. In the old mining days, pyrite was sometimes mistaken for gold as they frequently occur together, although gold and pyrite can be easily distinguished by simple observation and testing of the characteristics, okay? Pyrite occurs in numerous shapes and habits. The smaller crystals aggregate or aggregates may give off a beautiful glistening effect in light and the larger crystals may be perfectly formed including fascinating cubes, penetration twins and other interesting crystal forms the perfect cubes of pyrite embedded in a matrix from the famous Spanish mines are specially treasured among collectors. Many of these specimens have fallen out of the matrix and have been repaired by having them glued back into the matrix of these pyrite uh, kind of establishments. So The difference um, between them is obviously the malleability. Uh, That's a huge thing. The actual color. However, when you're down in these mines and you do see something that um, does, you know, kind of glisten, it's not always gold and it's probably, you know, pyrite depending on where you're at because apparently they, they occur very common together. Okay. So, What's some of the history of counterfeit gold? In 1853, Gideon B. Smith patented the first fake gold coin detector, which became an essential piece of equipment. Prior to this, people would run rudimentary checks to determine whether a gold co- con- whether a coin contained real gold or just a cheap base metal, or was just plated. So this included spitting on the coin and then rubbing it against an abrasive surface, hoping that the gold-colored surface would rub off and that the base metal would show through. Although basic, many of these methods worked um, simply because counterfeiting measures were just as basic. However, fake gold coin detectors gave testers a huge, huge advantage in the war against fakes. And for many years, they had the edge. Okay? It didn't take long, however, for the counterfeiters to turn the tables, though, and history is littered with stories of counterfeit gold. There are even reports of fake gold coins existing as far back as 600 BC. Just remember, you know where there is value, there's going to be fakes, and this is not something new. This has always been around. So when the edges of a real gold coin were shaved off, which we talked about in a prior episode, and then used to cover base metal coins, uh, similar practices were employed in the middle ages, but counterfeit coins didn't become widespread until modern times. In more recent times, fake gold coins have been used in warfare, with countries attempting to destabilize their enemy's economy and the famous 1907 double eagle coins minted by the U.S. Mint created an uproar when it was discovered that they were being counterfeited on a grand scale. Okay, that's some diabolical uh, guerrilla warfare right there. So, a few years ago, it was reported that fake gold was being sold in Manhattan, New York. A buyer purchased several 10-ounce bars worth about $18,000 each, and for whatever reason... He decided to drill into them. He discovered that these bars had tungsten cores, and only contained three thousand six dollars worth of real gold. Okay. The frightening thing about this story is that the bars had real serial numbers, and they came from a fish with official papers. Okay. So all that stuff can be faked. The counterfeiters had purchased real gold bars before hollowing them out, siphoning out a large percent of the gold. That's that malleability we talked about and then leaving something that looked real, official and valuable, but was most certainly not. Fortunately, there are ways you can make sure this never happens to you and ways that you can check to see whether you or not the gold you have is real or fake. So, how to avoid how do we avoid fake gold? So, fortunately, while fakes are perhaps more common, than they have or have been, it's easy to avoid them. So do not be scared by this. There are a lot of strict protocols and procedures in which to ensure the reputable bullion dealers dealers are selling the real deal. So you just have to make sure that you use one of the dealers. Okay. Uh, you got to work with L B M a certified redu- refiners. These refiners have all met the minimum standards set by the L B M a, allowing them to appear in their good delivery list. All bars on this list have been created to strict, a strict minimum purity under exacting assaying saying conditions. These bars are universally re- recognized as they de facto standard for gold bars. Um, Uh, Which they store all the gold in a secure system and ensure that the gold to the clients uh, Have never left the system. Okay, so they don't they don't come in and out They are constantly in the system as if they have a barcode on them Okay, if you're buying gold in large quantities, you should always purchase from an LBMA accredited refiner and dealer And you should always trust in reputable dealers and refiners when buying in small quantities Uh, you may see stuff online. Uh, there are reputable dealers that have TV commercials because I think those are all like verified by the BBB and things like that. So you have to make sure you're looking for that LBMA. Um, these days there's a trend for investors to purchase on eBay, uh, where the variety is often better, but everything else is not. So everything is usually cheaper on eBay. But that is not the case with bullion, as the fees charged by eBay and PayPal mean the dealers have to attach significant premiums on top of the spot price. So while they may be legitimate on eBay, you are going to get a little bit of a markup because there's premiums on top of it. Okay. The main issue with eBay, however, is the fact that counterfeit gold, you know, products are there. Okay, they they do exist on there. Okay, There are many factories in China that sell gold-like coins for next to nothing, and unscrupulous dealers, um, a fun word there, love that one, uh, buy these in bulk, claim they are the real deal, and then sell them on a significant profit. Fortunately, buyers are becoming more aware, and these dealers don't stay active for very long, but unfortunately, many of the fake coins they do sell end up back on the auction site, sold by users who are either oblivious to the legitimacy of the product hoping to make some easy money. So we wouldn't tell you, I would not tell you to avoid eBay altogether. However, you know, check, do some history on that. Check it up, okay? So you've got gold in your hand now. That was just the process in which you're procuring it. You've got gold in your hand. How do you spot fake gold, okay? In a moment, um, we're going to look at ways that you can test your gold uh, to determine if it is real Um, But you can also simply look at it, okay, searching for specific marks and stamps. Most pieces of real gold, including coins, bars, and jewelry, should have a stamp that shows the purity of the gold. You may need a magnifying glass sometimes to uh, see this, but you should be looking for a mark that displays either the fineness of the product, such as .999, or the amount of carats that it contains, such as 24 carat. However, do not assume that just because your piece has these marks that they are genuine. Many counterfeiters can easily add these, okay? So that's just one step in the process, okay? You should also look for discoloration. This may be hard to spot in a piece that is brand new, but if it is old, it has experienced a significant amount of wear, then you should be able to see noticeable discoloration. This is especially true with jewelry, in which case you should look near the clasp which will have been handled more. If discoloration does appear, then your item may only be gold plated. The gold, or the color of the gold itself may also be the indicator, although you need to remember that some gold coins, including the gold sovereign and the gold curagrand, are not 100% pure. They both have copper added to them, which gives them kind of a unique reddish hue. So how do we test fake gold? One of the facility or one of the fallacies surrounding gold is that it's so soft you can bite it and leave an indent this is why olympians jokingly bite their gold medals just to kind of prove that it's real the truth is that people did use to bite gold in order to test it but only because lead was commonly used to counterfeit gold and lead is off even softer than gold so when so they were hoping the metal would not indent and not the other way around also these days Olympic gold medals con- contain at least 92.5% silver and only a fractional amount of gold. So they might be disappointed to learn that their medal is technically fake after all. But I think they know that coming into it. I don't th- I don't think a lot of people are in the Olympics to get the medal, per se. You know, it's the title. That's what you need. Biting aside, there are other ways that you can test to determine whether what you have is real gold or not. So get that magnet out. Gold is not magnetic, so you can use a magnet to determine whether what you have is actually a cheap base metal. This is not an all-encompassing test, however, as it may consist of other non-magnetic metals, uh, but it certainly helps to narrow down the field. So scratch test is next. For the test, you need a non-glazed ceramic plate, and the goal is to drag your coin slash bar across the plate, scratching the surface. If the scratch is black or gray, it's not real gold. If the scratch is gold, then it is genuine. Bear in mind that the technique may damage your gold. However, it will prove its authenticity. Acid test. For a bit of um, etymological history, uh, the term acid test actually comes from gold testing. So this test involves nitric acid and can be dangerous to you and damaging to your piece. So it is often best left to an expert. Density. Okay. Gold is very dense metal and the purer it is, the denser it is. Therefore, you can run a density test to determine whether what you have is real or not. Or you can, you know, simply send your gold to an expert. That's kind of the easy way out. I think it is expensive, though. Um, they will check and grade it for you. And in the case of gold coins, they the grading may even improve your value. However, these gradings are not cheap, which we just talked about, and they are therefore not viable if you're fairly sure that what you have is fake. Or even... If the piece is small, common, or otherwise inexpensive, it's not maybe worth getting graded. Uh, So, guys, that is it for this episode. Um, I would say it was pretty golden. Um, I didn't whip out a lot of the puns that I probably wanted to during that. But um, gold's definitely one of those things that throughout history has just been, you know, a little crazy. Uh, You know, wars have been fought over it it's it's just absolutely one of those things that have always hold intrinsic value and, uh, you know, now, we, now it actually holds practicality because we use it in a lot of cell phones. We use it in plenty of uh, electronics now. So it actually holds practical use because of its conductivity. But um, back then it was strictly for um, ceremonial and historical value and just basically showed, look at me, I've got gold. So, Guys, remember with faked items, there are those who produce them, those who purchase them, and those that listen to this podcast. I will see you guys in the next episode. Bye.